0: Section sixty-four of Wagner the Werewolf by George W. M. Reynolds. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. CHAPTER sixty Part One. It was verging toward midnight, and the moon was concealed behind dark clouds, when a tall figure, muffled in a cloak, climbed over the railing which enclosed one portion of the spacious garden attached to the Riverola Palace. That person was Ferdinand Wagner. He had arrived in Florence two days before that on which Nisida returned to the ancestral dwelling. He had entered the city boldly and openly in the joyous sunlight, and yet no one molested him. He even encountered some of the very Spiri who had arrested him in the preceding month of February. They saluted him respectfully, thus showed that they recognized him, but offered not to harm him. His trial, his condemnation, and his escape appeared all to have been forgotten. He repaired to his mansion. His servants, who had remained in possession of the dwelling, received him with demonstrations of joy and welcome as if he had just returned under ordinary circumstances from a long journey. Truly, then, he was blessed by the protection of heaven, and, more wondrous still, on entering his favourite room he beheld all his pictures in their proper places, as if none of them had ever been removed, as if the confiscation of several by the criminal tribunal had never taken place over the one which had proclaimed the secret of his doom to the judges and the audience on the occasion of his trial still hung the black cloth and an indefinable curiosity no not a sentiment of curiosity but one of hope impelled him to remove the covering and how exquisite was his joy how great his amazement how sincere his thanksgivings when he beheld but a blank piece of canvas the horrible picture of the werewolf a picture which he had painted when, in a strangely morbid state of mind, had disappeared. Here was another sign of heaven's goodness, a further proof of celestial mercy. On instituting inquiries, Ferdinand had learned that Donna Nisida had not yet come back to Florence, but he employed trusty persons to watch and give him notice of her arrival the instant it should occur. Thus Nisida had not been half an hour at the Riverola mansion when Ferdinand was made acquainted with her return from the conversation which had taken place between them at various times on the island and as the reader is well aware wagner felt convinced that nisida would again simulate deafness and dumbness and he was therefore desirous to avoid giving her any surprise by appearing abruptly before her a proceeding which might evoke a sudden ejaculation and thus betray her secret moreover he knew not whether circumstances would render his visits made in a public manner agreeable to her and perhaps, pardon him, gentle reader, perhaps he was also curious to learn whether she still thought of him, or whether the excitement of her return had absorbed all tender feelings of that nature. Influenced by these various motives, Wagner muffled himself in a long Tuscan cloak, and repaired to the vicinity of the Riverola mansion. He passed through the gardens without encountering anyone, and, perceiving a side door open, he entered the building. Ascending the stairs, he thought that he should be acting in accordance with the advice given him by Rosencrooks, and also consistent with prudence, were at once to seek an interview with Nisida privately. He therefore repaired in the direction of the principal saloons of the palace, but losing his way amidst the maze of corridors, he was about to retire, when he beheld the object of his search, the beautiful Nisida, enter a room with a lamp in hand. He now felt convinced that he should meet her alone, and he hurried after her, in pursuance of his cautious plan, he opened the door gently, and was already in the middle of the apartment, when he perceived Nisida standing by the side of a bed, and with her head fixed in that immovable manner which indicates intent gazing upon some object. Instantly supposing that some invalid reposed in that couch, and now seized with a dreadful alarm lest Nisida, on beholding him, should utter a sudden ejaculation which would betray the secret of her feigned dumbness, Ferdinand considerately retreated with all possible speed, nor was he aware that Nisida had observed him, much less that his appearance there had excited such fears in her breast, those fears being greatly enhanced by his negligence in leaving the door open behind him. Oh, had Nisida known it was thou, Ferdinand Wagner, how joyous, how happy she would have been, for the conviction that she bore the pledge of your mutual passion made her heart yearn that Eve to meet with thee again. And was it a like attraction on thy part? or the mysterious influence that now guided all thy movements which induced thee at midnight to enter the Riverola gardens again that thou mightest be as it were upon the same spot where she dwelt and scent the fragrance of the same flowers that perfumed the atmosphere which she breathed oh doubtless it was that mysterious influence for thou hast now that power within thee which made thee strong to resist all the blandishments of the siren and to prefer the welfare of thine own soul to wart in this world beside we said, then, at the commencement of this chapter, that Ferdinand entered the Riverola Gardens shortly after midnight, but scarcely had he crossed the iron railings, turned into the nearest path formed by shrubs and evergreens, when he was startled by hearing another person enter the grounds in the same unceremonious manner. Ferdinand accordingly stood aside in the deep shade of the trees, and in a few moments a figure muffled like himself in a cloak passed him rapidly by wagner was debating in himself what course he should pursue for he feared that some treachery was intended toward nisida when to his boundless surprise he heard the mysterious visitant say in a low tone is it you lady to which his question the unmistakable and never-to-be-forgotten voice of his nisida answered tis i demetrius follow me noiselessly and breathe not another word for the present Ferdinand was shocked and grieved at what he had just heard and which savoured so strongly of an intrigue, had not his ears deceived him? Was this the Nisida from whom he had parted but little more than three weeks back, and who had left him that tender note which he had found in the hut on the island? But he had no time for reflection. The pair were moving rapidly towards the mansion, and Wagner unhesitatingly followed, his footsteps being soundless on the damp soil of the borders of flowers, and his form being concealed by the shade of the tall evergreens which he skirted he watched nisida and her companion until they disappeared by a small private door at the back of the mansion and this door was by them incautiously left unlocked though shut close it opened rapidly to wagner's hand and he found himself at the foot of a dark staircase the sound of ascending steps on which he met his ears up that narrow flight he sped noiselessly but hastily and in a few moments he was stopped by another door which had just closed behind those whom he was following here he was compelled to pause in the hope that the partition might not be so thick as completely to intercept the sounds of the voices in the chamber but after listening with breathless attention for a few minutes he could not catch even the murmuring of a whisper it now struck him that nisida and her companion might have passed on into a room more remote than the one to which that door had admitted them and he resolved to follow on accordingly he opened the door with such successful precaution that not a sound not even the creaking of the hinge was the result and he immediately perceived that there was a thick curtain within for it will be recollected that this door was behind the drapery of nisida's bed at the same time a light somewhat subdued by the thick curtain appeared and the sound of voices met ferdinand's ears "Signor," said the melodious voice of nisida in its sweetest softest tones it is due to myself to tend a fitting excuse for introducing you thus into my private chamber but the necessity of discoursing together without fear of interruption and in some place that is secure from the impertinence of eavesdroppers must serve as an apology lady replied demetrius it needed no explanation of your motive in bringing me hither to command on my part that respect which is due to you a weight was removed from wagner's mind it was assuredly no tender sentiment that had brought nisida and the greek together this night and the curiosity of fernand was therefore excited all the more strongly we will not waste time in unnecessary parlance resumed nisida after a short pause nor must you seek to learn the causes the powerful causes which have urged me to impose upon myself the awful sacrifice involved in the simulation of the loss of speech and hearing suffice it for you to know that when on board the capitan pasha ship i overheard every syllable of the conversation which one day took place between the apostate ibrahim and yourself a conversation wherein you gave a detailed account of all your proceedings at florence and in the course of which you spoke feelingly of your sister Calanthe. alas poor calanthe exclaimed demetrius in a mournful tone and is she really no more listen to me while i relate the manner in which i became aware of her fate said nisida she then explained the treacherous visit of the grand vizier to the chamber wherein she had slept on board the ottoman admiral's ship the way in which the ethiopian slave had interrupted to save her and the conversation that had taken place between ibrahim and the negro revealing the dread fate of calanthe is it possible that i have served so faithfully a man possessed of such a demon heart cried demetrius but i will have vengeance lady yes the murdered calanthe shall be avenged and i too must have vengeance upon the proud and insolent vizier who sought to violate all the laws of hospitality in respect to me observed nisida and who seeks to marry his sister the low-born flora the sister of the base renegade to the illustrious scion of the noble house of riverola vengeance too must i have upon the wretch antonio the panderer to my father's illicit and degrading amours the miscreant who sought to plunder this mansion and who even dared to utter threats against me in that conversation with his accomplice venturo which you Signor, overheard in the streets of florence this game wretch it is too who consigned my brother to the custody of the banditti and though for certain reasons i deplore not that captivity which francisco has endured inasmuch as it has effectually prevented him from interesting himself on behalf of flora francatelli yet as antonio was animated by vengeance only in so using my brother he shall pay the penalty due on account of all his crimes and in the task of punishing antonio lady said demetrius shall i be right glad to aid? for did not the villain deceive me infamously in respect to the dispatches which i sought to forward to constantinople when last i was at florence am not contented with that vile treachery even plotted with his accomplice venturo against my life vengeance then upon our enemies demetrius exclaimed nisida and this is how our aim shall be accomplished she continued in a lower and less excited tone the ambitious views of ibrahim pasha must experience a signal defeat and as he is too powerful to be personally injured by us we must torture his soul by crushing his relations we must punish him through the medium of his sister and his aunt this evening i had a long discourse with dr duras who is devoted to my interests and over whom i wield a wondrous power of persuasion he has undertaken to induce his brother angelo duras to abandon the cause of the francatellis and the inquisition will therefore deal with them as it lists father marco i can also manage as i will he understands the language in which the deaf and dumb converse for he has so long been confessor to our family Tomorrow i'll undertake to send him to rome on some charitable mission connected with the church thus the only persons whom you secured when you last were in florence in the interests of the francatellis will cease to watch over them and as they are accused of being accomplices in the sacrilege perpetrated in the carmelite convent nought will save them from the flames of the auto da fe o oh, the spirit of the murdered calanthe exclaimed demetrius with savage joy thou wilt be avenged yet and thou false vizier shall writhe in the flames at the stake now as for antonio and the rest of the banditti who stormed the convent and gave freedom to the hated flora who have likewise captured my brother and who have so long been a terror to florence continued nisida we must annihilate them all at one blow not a soul of the gang must be spared nisida knew full well that at least some of the banditti were acquainted with the fact that she was the murderess of agnes and that they could also tell an awkward tale of how she sought to bribe them to rescue fernand wagner in case of an adverse judgment on the part of the criminal tribunal the total annihilation of the horde was consequently the large aim at which she aspired and her energetic mind shrunk not from any difficulty that might appear in the way toward the execution of that object the design is grand but not without its obstacles observed demetrius your ladyship shall moreover adopt measures to rescue the lord count of riverola first by means of gold everything can be accomplished amongst villains returned Nisida and the necessary preliminaries to carrying out our object rest with you, Signor. Tomorrow morning you must seek Antonio. He knows not that you suspect his villainy and, as you will say nothing relative to the failure in the arrival of your dispatches at Constantinople, he will rest secure in the belief that you have not yet discovered that deed of treachery. You must represent yourself as the mortal enemy of the Count of Riverola, and so speak as to lead Antonio to confess to you where he is, and offer to become the instrument of your vengeance then bribe antonio heavily to deliver up francisco into your power to-morrow night at a particular hour and at a place not far from the spot where you know the secret entrance of the banditti's stronghold to be all this lady said demetrius can be easily arranged antonio would barter his soul for gold much more readily then will he sell the count of riverola to one who bids high for the possession of the noble prisoner but this is not all resumed nisida tis merely the preface to my plan so soon as the shades of to-morrow's evening shall have involved the earth in obscurity a strong part of your soldiers properly disguised but well armed must repair in small sections or even singly to that grove where you have already obtained a clue to the entrance of the robbers stronghold let them conceal themselves amongst the trees in the immediate vicinity of the enormous chestnut that overhangs the precipice when the robbers emerge from their lurking-place with francisco your soldiers will immediately seize upon them should you then discover the secret of the entrance to the stronghold the object will be gained your men will penetrate into the subterranean den and the massacre of the horde will prove an easy matter but should it occur that those banditti who may be employed in leading forth my brother do shut up the entrance of their den so speedily that your dependents discover not its secrets then must we trust to bribery or threats to wrest that secret from the miscreants at all events antonio will be present to accompany francisco to the place which you will appoint to meet them and as the villain will fall into your power it will perhaps prove less difficult to induce him to betray his comrades than it might be to persuade any of the madditty himself lady your plan has every element of success observed demetrius and all shall be done as you suggest indeed i will myself conduct the expedition but should you thus at once effect the release of don francisco will he not oppose your designs relative to the condemnation of flora francatelli by the inquisition dr duras is well acquainted with the precise process answered nisida and from him i learnt that the third examination of the prisoners will take place to-morrow when judgment will be produced should no advocate appear to urge a feasible cause of delay the arrest took place on the third of july said demetrius and angelo Juras undertook to obtain a postponement for three months to-morrow lady is but the twenty-sixth of september true responded nisida but were a delay granted it would be for eight days and thus you perceive how nicely angelo Juras has weighed all the intricacies of the case and how accurately he has calculated the length of the term to be gained by the exercise of the subtleties of the inquisitorial law therefore as no advocate will appear to demand delay flora is certain to be condemned to-morrow night and the release of francisco may take place simultaneously for when once the grand inquisitor shall have pronounced the extreme sentence no human power can reverse it and now added nisida but one word more the grand vizier commanded you to dispatch a courier daily to leghorn with full particulars of all your proceedings see that those accounts be of a nature to lull the treacherous ibrahim into security for were he to learn that his aunt and sister are in dread peril he would be capable of marching at the head of all his troops to sack the city of florence fear not on that subject lady answered demetrius i will so amuse the demon-hearted grand vizier by my dispatches that he shall become excited with joyous hopes, and that the blow, the dread blow which we are preparing for him, may be the more terribly severe. The Greek then rose to take his leave of Donna Nisida, and Wagner, having closed the secret door as noiselessly as he had opened it, hurried away from the Riverola mansion, bewildered and grieved at all he had heard, for he could no longer conceal from himself that a very fiend was incarnate in the shape of her whom he had loved so madly having tossed on a feverish couch for upward of an hour unable to banish from his mind the cold-blooded plot which nisida and demetrius had resolved upon in order to consign flora francatelli and her equally innocent aunt to the stake wagner at last let through sheer exhaustion then christianus rosencrux appeared to him in a dream and said heaven hath chosen thee as the instrument to defeat the iniquitous purposes of riverola in respect of two guiltless and deserving women angelo duras is an upright man but he is deluded and misled by the representations made to him by nisida through his brother the physician relative to the true character of flora in the evening at nine o'clock Hie to angelo duras command him in the name of justice and humanity to do his duty toward his clients and he will obey thee then having performed this much speed thou without delay to leghorn and seek the grand vizier ibrahim pasha to him shalt thou merely state that demetrius is a traitor and that tremendous perils hang over the heads of the vizier's much-loved relatives manifest no hatred to the vizier on account of his late treacherous intention with regard to the honour of nisida for vengeance belongeth not to mortals and in these measures only of all the deeply ramified plots and designs which thou didst here discuss between Nisida nice and Demetrius, shalt thou interfere leave the rest to heaven the founder of the Rosicrucians disappeared and when fernand awoke late in the day for his slumber had been long and deep he remembered the vision which he had seen and resolved to obey the order he had received beneath the massive and heavy tower of the palazzo del podesta or ducal palace of Florence was the tribunal of the Holy Inquisition, small, low, and terribly sombre in appearance was this court with walls of the most solid masonry, an arched roof, and a pavement formed of vast blocks of dark-veined marble. thither the light of heaven never penetrated, for it was a situate far below the level of the earth, and at the very foundation of that tower which rose, frowning and sullen high above iron lamps diffused a lurid lustre around rendering ghastly the countenance alike of the oppressors and the oppressed and when it was deemed necessary to invest the proceedings with a more awe-inspiring solemnity than usual torches borne by the familiars or officers of the inquisition were substituted for these iron lamps over the judgment seat was suspended a large crucifix on one side of the court were three doors one communicating with the corridor and flight of stone steps leading to and from the tribunal, the second affording admission into the torture chamber, and the third opening to the prisons of the inquisition. End of section 64.